Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinner baits, buzz baits, and more from jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. Welcome to the Feather and Fur segment on the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. Join me, Brad Hurlebus, as we sit around the campfire with this week's special guest to talk hunting, dogs, traditions, and all things outdoors. Welcome, welcome to the first ever solo Feather and Fur podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hurlebus. Tonight, we are talking traditional archery with Jonathan Karch of Three Rivers Archery. So we're going to get right to it and bring him right in. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Hello. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be on the first premiere episode here. I know it's 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 a whole new thing. I'm not quite sure where this is going to lead. I kind of feel like the conductor of a train wreck that's just getting started and you can't take your eyes off of it, but I think it'll be good. You know, uh, from what I've learned, especially in all the different media things that have come out and, and different projects getting into, um, you have to start somewhere. And when you look back, you'll go, oh, rough, but you know, <laughs> it's what gets you where you're going. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll roll with it, see how it goes. I appreciate you then being on what will be looked back as my cringeworthy episode. <laughs> <laughs> so tell everyone who you are and what you, I mean, t- well, you're, t- tell us your title at Three Rivers. We'll start there. Sounds good. I am actually recently uh, I've been promoted to the president of Three Rivers Archery. Uh, before that, I was the uh, VP of uh, Marketing and Sales. Um, as president and my job before, um, I had uh, basically all the contact points with customers. So if you've been in our catalog, if you've gone on our website, called in, met me at an archery shoot, um, that falls under what I handle there. And then I got a team of about 25 of us, uh, but our small um, um, management crew, um, about f- about four of us um, um, handle the most aspects to it. And like I said, about 25 overall to make sure we get everything out the door. Very nice. It sounds like you've grown a lot since I first first met you through family and probably 2006, 2005 era. Yep, yep, back in the uh, mid 2000s. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild journey. So I've been I've been in traditional archery, uh, professionally working in it uh, all my life since I was nine. Um, but back then, when we met, just getting out of college in that, I was pretty young and fresh into the uh, uh, the big boy responsibilities of what I do. So sure. Fun time. Everyone's got to start somewhere, like you said, right? That's right. That's right. So what is Three Rivers? What What is Three Rivers Archery? Where, where's your focus? 
So Three Rivers Archery is the world's largest supplier of traditional and primitive archery supplies. Um, we are the world's largest at it, probably have the largest stock of traditional archery gear in stock ready to ship. Um, our huge focus is traditional archery in the aspects of long bows and recurves, uh, primitive wood bows, um, Asiatic bows, um, basically uh, probably single string archery is the best way to describe it. Got it. Let's 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 back up though. Let's let's all right. Let's break it down. To what's the difference between traditional and primitive? Well, for uh, the difference between traditional and primitive, I'd say on primitive, it's definitely using the more um, basic components, more uh, natural components for it. So a bow that doesn't have fiberglass backing. Uh, okay. Material. Now it can still be a backed bow, whether it's got rawhide or um, even other uh, backing uh, woods. Um, snake skin, I really don't consider a backing because it doesn't add anything to it, but. Um, more of the uh, uh, traditional primitive, I guess, um, uh, genuine uh, materials, where with uh, standard traditional, like a long bone recurve, it's laminated back uh, using fiberglass, sure. you got epoxy glues, um, any and all types of wood, uh, uh, diamond wood, stabilized wood, that type of stuff. Okay. Where, where do you lie? What's your preference? I mean, I'm sure you have one of everything, but if you're going to grab a bow to go hunting tonight, where do you take it? If it was tonight, hunting around here, my longbow. Okay. And the biggest reason, it's a one-piece. It's a bow I built with my dad, and I uh, I really love that bow when I'm not traveling, just because when I have to travel, it gets very expensive to package that. Sure. Um, but it's it's definitely near and dear to my heart, so I, I, I like that one a lot. Does Three Rivers build bows? Do you have your own mm -hmm. bow still? We still have the tomahawk bows, which is okay. actually when my family started it all back in the uh, the early 90s was with the tomahawk bow line. Um, and we grew that, started our family business up in Wisconsin called DMJ Archery. Uh, and then we grew that to be Wisconsin's largest traditional shop. And then we bought Three Rivers Archery back in the uh, uh, 99 um, because we wanted to get the tomahawk bow into the Three Rivers Archery catalog. And... Uh, for all the same reasons, you know, you'd say no to a one-man shop uh, today that they did back then. Um, they said the company's for sale. If you want your bows in the catalog, you're going to have to buy the company. Well, that's one way to get the catalog, make it your own. That's that's right. That's right. It took uh, took a lot of risk, a lot of uh, hard work, but we, uh, we we did pretty good with it, and uh, definitely a great decision for my family. So I would agree. Um, your bow went from being in the catalog to front and center of the catalog. Yep. First two pages almost always with the tomahawk bow spread. So what is so you mentioned we'll stick with we'll stick with traditional, not primitive right now. What's the difference between a long bow and a recurve bow? If you want to get down to the real basics of it, um, because you know it's a question I get a lot for it. Uh, for a um, for a long bow, when it is strung, the limb and the string are coming down, the string does not touch the belly of the bow. So the plate or the, the, the side that faces the archer. If it does not touch that belly of it, just comes out of the groove and goes straight down, that classifies it as a longbow. Where at the recurve, it'll touch that belly. Got Usually it. there's string grooves uh, are kind of built in for it. But that's like the most basic because when you look at today's bows, all the absolutely amazing designs that are out there, um, that's really the only thing that always holds consistent is just that, uh, how the string lies. Got it. So that so if you're talking longbow or recurve, it's really how the string is placed on the limbs. Then really, yep, yeah, just how it comes out of the groove. Sure, uh, that's the basic uh, uh, break in between what would be a recurve and that. Because yeah, like nowadays, uh, longbows they can have a bigger grip, so they have a little bit more meat to them, like you'd expect in a recurve. Um, the speed and the way they perform are neck and neck to each other. You can get some amazing shooting longbows. Um, just because of modern materials and modern designs. All right. Well, you mentioned speed. So everybody with archery is always about speed. And I'm sure traditional is not going to be anywhere near your new compound bows, but what you're saying modern materials, what kind of speeds are you getting out of these new recurves and long bros? And Well, uh, you know, uh, for the testing that I do with the uh, ATA standards and that, you can get uh, north of 200 feet per second. I want to say easy. Um, but, you know, that's with using a light arrow and really just focusing to make it fast. Sure. Uh, when you get realistic, where like you and I are shooting the bow and you have like a hunting weight arrow, um, the 180s to 200 is going to be the range for a lot of uh, high performer bows on there. And that's, you know, 10 grains per pound to pull and shooting with fingers. 
Um, you know, when you put them on shooting machines, you can really get some wicked fast numbers. But for the uh, realistic person shooting 180 to 200 in that range are going to be right. the most of a pull. I'm going to say I'm surprised. I thought it'd be slower. I really did. Well, you know, and it's because <laughs> there's so much to go into that because you can shoot a bow and I can pick up the same bow and shoot it and it can shoot differently. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, when you, uh, with the way the design bows with reflex deflex now, and uh, they just, they perform so different, uh, even like the 80s and uh, heck, even from the 90s and that, um, there's just, just some great ways that bows are being built that can really uh, get all the performance out. And then draw length pays a huge part in traditional, correct? It does. It does. And it's a, uh, it's one of the more frustrating things when it comes to selling a bow because most bows are rated at 28 inches. It's just an industry standard of where on everybody's that's where kind of the medium falls. Um, but it's unique to everybody. How you anchor and, uh, uh, and just your body and that will determine differently. Uh, so when somebody tells me, yeah, I got a 50 pound bow, what arrow do I need? I'm like, well, I, I really need to know your draw because that bow is rated 50 pounds at 28. But if you draw 27, you're losing anywhere from two to three pounds. Or sure. if you go longer draw, you're gaining weight, um, which can really affect aerospine. But yeah, and there's there's a lot of helpful videos, uh, articles, things like that for determining draw length. Um, for guys coming off compounds, I always, if you go from a release, I always go about inch and a half, two inches less. Okay. So if you do a 30 inch draw on a compound, you're probably you know, gonna be around 28, 28 and a half in that area. Um, yeah, usually. Because with a traditional bow, unlike a compound bow, the farther you draw back, the more power it's making, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's going to have more weight to it. Sure. Um, so, so which really is great, especially for people getting into the sport, and especially young, because a bow grows with you. So if somebody, say they're drawing 24, um, you know, at age 13 or whatnot, by the time they become adult and their draw length is up to 28 as they get bigger, um, the weight of the bow goes up. Usually it's about two to three pounds, depending on where they, uh, the start weight is. All right. So you can, it's really like, it's really what you can just grow into it. Like you're not even growing into it. You grow with it really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one thing I really like with it just because, you know, it's, it's such a versatile, versatile weapon. I mean, it's, sure. you know, it's not just, you know, like with a compound, you better hit that draw and it's going to kill over and you're good right there. Um, you know, this, it adapts with the archer. So um, there's plenty of good um, aiming methods with it, but it is so dependent on that archer being repeatable on their draw of, you know, cause even if, you know, if I draw and I come back here or if my head goes down a bit, I mean, you're, you're moving that whole sight bit to it of where, okay, I need to be consistent every time. Cause that's the only way you're going to get good accuracy to it is being a consistent uh, draw and release. Cause there's no sights cause it, it's right. instinctive. There's no peep. There's no five pin for up front. It's instinctive. Now you can put that stuff on there. I've, All right. I've seen uh, I've seen a few people that will have a, like a, a three pin sight mounted to the bow, um, but it does come down that you have to have amazing um, form to it to be able to be solid every time you come back because it will change. Now me, I'm instinctive. I don't look at the arrow. I don't look at the point. I just pick a spot in a target and just like throwing a baseball, I just felt or aim small, miss small. And I just throw it. And with all the years that I've been able of shooting in that, my mind's really been able to come down and get my accuracy up with it to where the arrow goes, where I'm looking. Very nice. And how often are you shooting arrows? Like how often are you practicing to maintain that accuracy? Uh, back in the day, <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day, it was like a daily thing because, like I said, I grew up in this. So, you know, that means I was a young kid in this. Uh, uh, and like everybody that has kids, you kind of send them away to just. <laughs> sure. Yeah, anyway. So, so I mean, especially in my youth, I would shoot all day, some days and every day. Now, me in my position, um, I actually our range at the shop is on the second floor, literally right over my head. And I'd be ashamed to say how often I to get on there. But. Come up in hunting season, uh, I get to get an archery shoots throughout the year, so I'll shoot while I'm there. But um, I don't shoot as much as I should, but my accuracy stays there just because, I mean, I've been 
I've been doing this a long time. Muscle memory. Yep. Yep. It's like riding a bike. It takes a little bit to get the wobbles out, but you know, once you're there and you've got that that form built to where yeah, the muscle memory just falls into it, it really helps. Very nice. Very nice. Let's stay on the traditional side. And if I if I was going to call you tomorrow and say I want to buy a bull, what what direction are you going to point me? Like, where would I? Someone that's never shot. I've never shot traditional. I mean, we've known each other for a long time. Yep. I've never picked up a traditional bull. So if I called you tomorrow and said, you know what, I'm pulling the trigger. I got money burning a hole in my pocket. Tax returns are coming. Stimulus check, whatever. Where, what would you say for me? Like, where would you start me? Well, for you, knowing, you know, your height and where I think kind of your draw would fall out, I'd say like a uh, anywhere from a 58 to a 62-inch bow. And um, I always recommend takedowns, especially for somebody okay. new getting into it. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, like I said, I do it because I travel with bows, but um, mainly because you can change the limbs. So uh, um, even somebody that's coming over from compound, the muscles aren't there. They just they work so differently. You know, with compound, it's all up front where three curves, it's all at the end. Um, so I usually start somebody with lighter weight. Say, OK, you know, I know you end up hunting, but start with a 30 pound uh, pull weight at first and work on your form. And once you have that, you go up from there. Um, there's. Fortunately, over the past, man, even past decade, I'd say, if not a little longer, there's been a good influx of uh, great options that are in about the $150 uh, price range. All right. Uh, like any good hobby, especially uh, outdoors hobbies, you know, you, you, you can spend as much as you want on a bow. I've got $1,200 bows and I've got $150 bows and they do have their differences, but they all shoot an arrow. So, you sure. know. Um, Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. For you, I'd say, you know what? Get get one of those 150s. See how you like it. That's what we recommend a lot for folks because it's it lets you experiment without having to put you know a car payment down versus, a, 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 you know, for a bow or a mortgage side. Sure. Um, so yeah, like, uh, big ones I recommend are like, uh, the edge edge hyper. Um, they're a takedown bow. They're 62 inches. You're you got those on, you part. got, you got those on your website. We'll pull that up real quick. Sure. So yeah, and these then, are actually our bow kits and this is a big okay. one for somebody starting out. Cause you know, you're like, you know what? I don't know what I need. Just want, you know, to get set up so I can get shooting. And uh, like you see here on the, uh, on the screen, um, these are a bunch of different ones, a little bit of different prices there. Sure. Um, Biggest one we have is actually uh, the second row and the second one in. It's just called the adult recurve kit. All right. And uh, I like this one because it's it's one we put together at the shop, and that's why it has so many drop downs because there's so many options. We really have it customized so that, you know, like, you know what? I really want a back quiver. It's just, it just feels comfortable to me. Okay, that's an option in there, and we've got side quivers in that. Um, the biggest thing I'd say pointing out because – especially traditional archery, there's a lot of, you know, what fits you and for people new, you know, that don't know that our, uh, our guys on the line, on our, on our phone line, our tech line, uh, they work nine to six every day, uh, except nine to five on Fridays. <laughs> uh, and we, uh, you know, we're there, call us up and then we'll, we'll spend as much time as we need to with you to get you comfortable and get you set up in the right gear. But like for you, yeah, if you call me tomorrow, this would be the, the first thing I'd recommend, you know, getting a getting a bow, getting 30 pounds or, you know, um, sometimes with compound guys, um, if they don't want to start, you know, low, low, I'll say, all right, we'll come down about 10 or 15 pounds. I recommend 15 from what you're shooting with a compound. Okay. Because you have a good base, but like I said, it's it's different muscles. Um, you know, if I pick up a compound, because I I can count on two hands how many times I've shot a compound, but um you know, I'm I'm a weakling there. I uh, I can't handle a lot of weight. You give me an 80 pound uh, uh, longbow, I can pull it back. Really? Yep. Yep. But uh, yeah, like a uh, heck, even a 60 pound compound. It's just it's 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 just different muscles. But sure. And then you say start at what were you saying? 30 pounds for me. Like start at a lighter weight. Get going with it. Build up that muscle strength. How do you change weight then? Do you have to so, uh, different limbs? Is it different bow completely? If you go one pieces, you'll need a different bow. With takedowns, about all of them, uh, they offer where you can change the limbs. A lot of them even have no tool, uh, uh, basically thumb screws that hold them together, or the uh, ILF, International Limb Fitting, where they just pop in place and can pop out. Um, and that's what really is the, 
my takedowns are where you see the most because it allows for that easy uh, transition for it. Um, with like the bullet, I'd recommend that edge hyper. You know, they're all the same. The limbs are exact same. You unscrew those, pop the limbs out, new ones in, put the same string on it, string it up, and you're good to go shooting. Um, or with the ILF, the international limb fitting, there you can you can change length of limbs, you can change weight, you can change uh, styles where you go from you know a real basic limb to a you know high dollar um, high performance target limb, and then have you know a camouflage hunting limb for for when you hunt. Um, wow! So it's it's like one handle that can do. It's almost like Legos. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, it's really neat what's out there now uh, uh, for bows, especially compared to you know back when uh, when I was young and we were building bows for living on it. Um, you know, you, you had just your limbs in that and you'd see a lot more, um, one piece bows just cause they were cheaper to make. Um, well, right. I say cheaper to make, they definitely were more affordable than, uh, once you start adding those hardware, but nowadays there's a lot of takedown options that make it easy for people to really customize to what they like. I know tons of folks that they've got a great, uh, hunting limbs. They'll have some high dollar lightweight hunting limbs where they can target shoot and practice all year round all day. And then when it comes to hunting time, okay, I got something a little bit shorter limb so they can, you know, be a little bit more comfortable in a tree then a little bit more weight. Um, so they get the performance they want for penetration. Got it. So a shorter limb is going to shorter limb with higher weight compared to a longer limb with less weight because of the draw is the draw. What changes that there? Or is it just less weight for more practice work and then go to that heavier weight? To, yeah, definitely. Definitely less weight for if you're shooting a lot. So, you know, if you're at an average uh, 3D shoot, you know, you're going to shoot one round, you know, can be around 26 targets around there. And that might not sound like a lot because you get a little break in it, but man, you can get sore. I actually, um, I remember when I went from 56 pounds down to 45 pounds, best decision I ever made. Um, I was shooting that bow and by shot 20, I was shooting garbage. I mean, absolute garbage and i threw my bow and i hit a rock in the ground and this this was my bow i built with my dad so it was like dropping your kid you're like oh sorry no no but i uh i dropped weight i went down 10 pounds to 45 and when you can focus on your form and really build that um you'll be amazed how accurate you not to sound you know well, my, I, I could put it in a playing card easily all right easily group them in a playing card at 20 yards uh, when I was shooting my 45 pounder and I hunted with that for a good three years um, and it just felt so good to be able to have that confidence of like all right right I got this and you can shoot it and, uh, and I'll tell you 45 pounds is a great hunting weight I think it's it's definitely my most popular weight that I sell and you can use it all around you can use it for target archery because it's not you know like that 56 pounds where you're, you're slugging on the string um, but it's also enough weight for, uh, especially deer hunting. I mean, that's that's an amazing weight for taking it down most whitetail, heck, most deer. All right. What type of effective range with a 45-pound bow? Um, well, so let's let's back that up. Let's talk arrows and broadheads because those okay. are completely different as well. Yeah. I'm assuming, yeah. I'm assuming they're different. I mean, I did. I have seen the woodman's brought the woodsman in a while. I mean, I, I have recommended that broadhead to other people. I believe I shot it on one of my compound bows at one point even. Yeah. So broadheads, the biggest thing is just, you know, I, and this can get personal opinion to everybody, but a cut on contact broadhead to me is the broadhead to shoot, um, regardless of bow. Um, I love the dependability of them. You know, I know when it hits the animal, it's going to work. Um, so yeah, Woodsman, uh, definitely a, a big one for me. I love a three blade because it just leaves a hole and the Woodsman uh, design makes it easier to get uh, pass-through penetration. When you got two holes on game, that's that's right. that's the way to do it. Um, now, arrow-wise, yeah, because broadheads, I, I think the biggest thing is really just cut on contact for me because I feel like sure. that's performing. Uh, when well, it comes to the weight, oh, yep. I was going to say, I remember the first time I saw the Woodman and your dad showed me that you could sharpen it yourself. No tools needed because just the way the angle of all the blades lined up, you could take it to a whetstone and just and just make that just perfect again. Oh yeah, yeah. My dad is a he's a wizard with it too, and he just does a, a six inch bastard file. Is all he uses too. <laughs> and uh, you know, just lay it flat because you're right. That angle is set to where you're hitting two blades at once. And um, I I put a little bit more finesse into mine, um, just my particular to it. But yeah, he gets some he gets some great he gets some hunting sharp with just a file. 
And uh, but that's the biggest thing with any broadhead you go with is you got to be comfortable sharpening it. Um, right. And love the woodsman because it is is so simple. I mean, you know, you, you put a file on a flat surface and you run the broadhead over it, and it's like, hey, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there's no angles to mess with. It does it all for you. It's 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 nope. it's got its own built-in angle guide, basically. Yep, no jigs, no mess. Just go right at it. But uh, I will say the biggest thing I found because I run into as as easy it is to sharpen. I run into a lot of people that go, "Man, I just can't sharpen this to hunting sharp." And I think a lot of it is is there. What? Because to everybody, hunting sharp's different. You know, right. what, what you'd say is a sharp knife, and I'd say can be totally different. Be like, you know what? They still cut. Um, but with a three blade, the angle is different. It's a wider angle because you're not getting, you know, you're not getting that same level to it. It's going to be a little bit wider just because of how how the files hit. Sure. Which is why a lot of people like two blades because it's basically a knife blade. You know, you're, right. you're able to get that angle you want on there and get comfortable. And as long as you can get that angle you're comfortable with, you know, that's that's all of it. I mean, uh, that's why I, I don't sharpen anything by hand. I don't have to. I like a jig for it all because I know then in my mind that. I'm putting that angle on there how it needs to be. Sure. And confidence is everything with all kinds of hunting, especially archery hunting, even not just traditional, but compound, any type of archery hunting. If, if you're not confident in your abilities, it just makes it even more difficult. Yep. Yep. I have um, in our catalog, I have no less than six, no, probably more like eight pages of broadheads. All right. And every one of them is a great broadhead. Every one of them will do the job. But the reason I have eight is because, you know, the confidence where somebody goes, nope, nope, that broadhead failed on me, you know, bent when I was practicing, you know, what one thing or another. And you never know, you know, what it would be. Right. Um, it's when you have that confidence. That's That really makes a difference. Actually, we have a, uh, um, at the shop, we have an entire whole length of a wall. I mean, that's got to be 100 feet plus of uh, broadhead collection through the years. And they're all labeled and whatnot. And it's crazy to see the kind of broadheads they had out there. But it's like, you know what? Somebody had confidence in that, that that style would work. And uh, it's really neat, especially when you see new broadheads. I can go up there and I can walk down the wall and go, yep, 1963. Here's the broadhead. looks just like it. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a new thing. It's nope, just nope. new marketing. Yep. Yep. It's 100% it. But, but you know, confidence is there. And uh, I applaud everybody that's coming out with new stuff because it's, you know, it's it's trying to re-engineer that mousetrap to, to – give people the confidence to go out there and get the job done. Right. And sometimes that's just trying a slightly new style and getting comfortable with it and maybe getting outside of that box you've been in too. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and not just traditional arches, but I think, you know, hunters as a whole, everybody gets comfortable with what they're doing. Right. You know, when people say, well, this is the way it needs to be done. Or I agree with that. Or I disagree with that. It's, you know, like, it all comes down to what, what you're used to. Um, right. And yeah, being able to, to get past that and go, okay, there is more than one way to do it. Yeah, I remember going back in school, someone always kept saying, he always would say it, there was more than one way to skin a cat. Yep. And I always just laugh because I'm like, how, how many times have you skinned a cat? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> some questions you don't want answers to. <laughs> I never asked it for that reason, to be honest. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> but there's so many different ways to approach just even archery hunting. I mean, let's just look like even broad spectrum from traditional to compound to crossbow in many states where that's even legal now. I mean, those are three completely different avenues. And then from those, you can break it down even farther. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, to me, I just, you know, people need to be out there with the belt. Um, you know, I, I, I stay away from all the arguments of, you know, this way, that or the other. And I, you know, being, with an art or traditional archery shop, I should be promoting just traditional, but I want people to be enjoying being outdoors and whatever you need to do to do that, go for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I obviously very biased opinion towards thinking traditional being the most fun way to do it, but right. the way I do, it's not for everybody. I mean, I've seen quite a few arguments and I don't want to go down the crossbow road and the comp like compound guys hating crossbow guys. When, if you go back, when compounds came out, there was the same argument between recurve guys and compound. But I mean, it, it's just another cycle in it. I I just come down to the fact that my biggest thing is what I want it to be the most ethical for the deer, for whatever animal you're hunting. If you're not going to stick the time into practice, I'd rather you use a crossbow personally, because it's just, I don't want wounded deer running around. I mean, I'd rather you take those five shots to make sure your scope's sighted in and keep your ranges realistic than 
be forced to use a compound, which you never use. And the first time you draw it back is on a buck at 35 yards and you're shaking like, like the leaf next to you. Cause you have, you don't have any muscles built up. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, I remember uh, actually my first, uh, uh, mule deer hunt, I was in camp, uh, I was at Eichler's camp and, um, uh, the couple that was hunting right next to us, they were gun hunting, but they were traditional archers and they're, I just remember them trying to justify them taking a gun out there while I'm, you know, after the same game with a, uh, with a longbow actually at that time. And I was like, Hey, Hey, it's okay. You know, you're, right. you're not hurting me. You know, if, as long as you're having fun, you're, you know, doing it ethically and, and you know, confidently in it. Come keep coming back to that word. Right. You know, enjoy it. Enjoy it. I, I know the way I do it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not for everyone. I, I do think the people that get into it, love it. I mean, uh, my dad, I mean, you know, he stopped in the eighties with compounds because it just, it didn't become fun for him. Sure. You know, with a compound, anything within 30 yards was going to die. There was no challenge to it. So he made it harder for himself to really uh, invigorate the sport for him. I mean, and everybody's got to make, you know, where that is to him. Like you said, you know, if, if what gets you in the field and what makes you confident towards it and able to enjoy it with a crossbow, there's that. I would like to think you're going to progress, you know, Right. But to add that challenge, because, you know, some things are pretty easy to do. And right. Right. It's your job to make sure that, you know, you can, one, keep doing it uh, efficiently, but making sure you're having fun with it. I mean, right. I love not guns, to get stuck in that rut. Much. What? Not to get stuck in that rut. That rut right. of, I'm just going to go out. I hunt, I, I see deer every single time. And I'm just going to shoot my deer and be done. I mean, make it a challenge again. I mean, I guess if that's fun for you, though, I don't want to take that away from you. I mean, if you like to go out there and sit in your stand and know, like, pretty much the first deer, like, I, I walks by, I, I can take it and fill my freezer. If that's all you're looking for and that's enough of a challenge, that's great. I like a little more of a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. We, a lot of people get very caught up in this, that, and the other and how it needs to be done or that. And. You know, I've, I've got my own opinions, but at the end of the day, especially for, you know, for the shop, I want people to be happy with whatever they're shooting. Because if you're enjoying the sport, the sport's going to grow. Exactly. And you always, and you keep hearing that this year was, this year is a weird year only because everybody was forced to go outside. But for year after year after year prior, license sales are down, license sales are down, license sales are down. That's just less money into our sport in general from items being sold to, dnr fees to funding to keeping public land open i mean if we don't use it we're gonna lose it absolutely I mean, you stop using public lands the state's gonna be like well we don't need this much land and they're gonna start privatizing it or selling it and that's not a good thing oh yeah no absolutely absolutely there that's why um you know not to say any shining lights to uh, uh to what 2020 was but um you know you look at what uh, hunting hunting licenses sales were, I think the numbers were going to get, I just, I know from, you know, from a guy that sells bows, there was a lot of people that said, you know what, I got the time and I want to jump into it. Um, and was, you know, they're starting archery this year. Um, sure. Or last year. And um, I think that can be big for the sport. Uh, you'll see through the years, like, uh, you know, hunger games and, and movies that come out with archery and you get growth from that. That's, you know, it's just fad growth of people like, Oh, I saw them do it. So I want to do it. But like last year, I'm like, well, I need a hobby <laughs> that right. keeps me that keeps right. me engaged. And they pick picked archery. I need one that I need one that says I stay six feet away apart from everyone. I want to be by myself so I don't have to wear a mask. And it, yep. it really did drive a lot of people outdoors and all things. I saw it in kayaking. I saw it on the lakes fishing. I saw it in hunting too. I mean, I've never seen the public land as busy as I did this past year. Yeah, I know uh, here in Indiana, um, uh, governor made a, a lot of great calls that let people be outside. One of them was like, you could go to any state park, no admission to get in, be on the trails. They just didn't have anything open, you know, for you to, uh, to sure. congregate. Like, go, go walk the trails, go be out in nature, just be six feet away from somebody when they walk by. And it's like, great, absolutely. They extended all licenses because it's like, just go, go, you know, keep your sanity, get outside. We tried that in Wisconsin and it lasted for about a month between before the vandalism got to the point where they shut it down. And for a, a while there, they actually closed our parks. And it really made you like, it made me realize like if something you get it for free, like you don't necessarily take care of it. Oh, very true. Right. 
And that's kind of what happened. I mean, there was, there was vandalism, there was trash thrown everywhere. I mean, it was just really disrespectful for what was a great gift to get people outside. So they shut it down for a couple of weeks and then opened it back up where you needed to stay park pass again and you needed trail passes and which I'm okay with because that generated more sales to the DNR to help fund more projects. And really it's a good thing all around. Yeah, it breaks your heart to hear that though about the I know that I I don't think we had well I can't say any of that but you know we're at least the ones that I took my girls out to we uh, uh was pretty good it was great actually so but yeah there's always a few bad apples and that reminds us why uh, why yeah. they're all rules. <laughs> so let's recap your 2020 hunting season sure well um, um I was actually able to get uh, get a fair bit done um. I went, I went, uh, uh, let's see, in August, I went bear hunting. Uh, right. In Alaska, I did a bear hunt and fishing trip with my uh, my dad and, uh, well, actually a bunch of friends, but definitely uh, with my dad, too. Um, I got a picture of that bear. We'll pull that up right away. Because that is just a beautiful bear right there. Thank you. Yeah, I actually I just got the hide back, and I've been chewing on the meat ever since that. Uh, it was, a, it was a, such a fun hunt. Um it was really neat because uh, you're on a boat. Uh, they're not guides. It's just a, 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 a transporter license, what it's called. Uh, okay. And um, so you get, I think we were seven days. And basically, during the day, you're fishing. And then you go, you know what? You see that little stream over there? Go drop us off there. And then you just go back. And the, the salmon were running. Um, it was actually a perfect timing for us. I don't know how we got so lucky. Um, but, like, the berries were still great. And the fish were just hitting the stream, so the bears hadn't been on the uh, been on the fish too long. Actually, you see my bear; uh, it's somewhat hard to see. I thought it was just the way he was, but his nose is solid blue. Yeah, I can see it on I can see it on this screen. I think I think if you zoom in, take a look, but you can absolutely see that his nose is definitely blue, just hitting the berries, huh? Oh yeah, he must have just like laid down and just slowly moved like that because his paws were solid blue you can't see it obviously with the black but on his nose there you can just see it he was solid berries um which makes him for a really tasty bear <laughs> excellent very, yeah very happy with the meat and uh, uh and the hunt too and then the fishing was amazing we got halibut we got a bunch of salmon uh rockfish oh so much rockfish so good so good we got some pictures of those as well we can throw up some of those yeah, and I don't get, I don't do a lot of fishing uh, here in Indiana, so that was a real treat for it. Sure, especially out there. I mean, completely different species too. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Like it's like, all right, well, what do you want to go after now? And it would be, and it was so abundant. We were, uh, we were in a good boat. We, uh, we went out of Homer with a uh, Homer Ocean Charters, and and it was, it was a great time. I mean, uh, we just got into the fish hard, and then the bears. You know, when you found a good working stream or the fish were going in. Um, you know, you, everybody saw bears. <laughs> I, not yeah. everybody got one, but then uh, out of a group of uh, seven traditional archers, five of us got bears. So wow, pretty pretty good results. So is that spot and stock then, basically? I mean, because obviously you're not baiting. It's not like Wisconsin where we bait bears or run dogs. And right. uh, do, you, do you have a bear hunt in Indiana, or is that too far south to really? Uh, no, no. I think we had like one bear, and they had to shoot it because it got into people. <laughs> got it. <laughs> that was years ago. Yeah. No, we don't have any bears by us. Um, I think. Yeah, I think it was like 2010, if I remember right. It was a big deal. Big deal for Indiana. <laughs> sure. Oh my gosh, there's a bear here. Yep. Yep. And then of course, too many people got close to it and feeding it and then it became a problem and it's like, Oh, it felt for the bear, but it was like, yep. Yeah. I just remember that big deal on that bear, but yeah, no. And I have actually, uh, my first bear I ever got was a Wisconsin bear. All right. And, um, um, but yeah, so different. Um, because you just, you know, you don't have stands or anything. You just, you walk in the woods and, uh, like we stuck to the streams where the fish were and you just kind of set up on pinch points, played the wind and, um, you know, I had to keep your head in a swivel because they could come from anywhere. Sure. Did you hunt like in teams or were you solo? Um, we would space out. Um, you know, we usually we'd, for where we were, so you weren't having to run, you know, all over the place. Because like I said, it was uh, it's just a uh, transporter license. So they just like, you said, all right, I want to go there. So to, to keep that easy, we'd go in like teams of uh, three and then the other one would have four. Okay. And we hit a stream and you just spread out. So I could be, you know, 
200 yards from the next guy, or I could be 50 yards if it's in, you know, real thick cover and, you know, you wouldn't see it because it'd be so thick. Sure. What, what, oh, we can bring that back up because I saw that was in the picture. What type of bow were you using? I had uh, my recurve. Um, um, since I had to fly, I took a takedown recurve. And I tell you what, I love that when it comes to traveling for hunting. You just wrap that in your shirts and throw it in there. I once told a, uh, uh, when I checked it, they're like, oh, you have any weapons? I go, oh, yeah, I've got, I've got a, a bow, is what I said at first. And she looks at me and she goes, a what? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. It's, it's three pieces. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but anyways, um, uh, yeah, I had my uh, uh, DOS uh, tribute, actually. It's a metal risered bow. Um, actually, real, I'd say it offers a lot of flexibility and tuning like you get out of a compound because it's cut way past center. So there's a lot of tweaking to it. Um, but I took that with some carbon limbs and uh, it's a bow I've hunted with for a couple of years and really like how it shoots. I'm able to get it tuned in well. Very nice. It, it, I mean, it looks extremely modern, like for tradition, for a traditional bow, it looks modern with the metal risers and. Yep. Yeah. Metal risers are really having a, they have a great surge right now. I mean, they're not new. Um, like anything, you know, you look back and you're like, oh yeah, in the seventies, they had a bunch of, but like for right now, metal risers are really getting a lot of, a lot of attention and press one, you know, being able to make them uh, makes it a, a bit easier than, you know, uh, working with wood, but you're able to get a lot more creativity there and offer a lot more design just because of the material you got. Sure. Um, but it's definitely, definitely a more modern design to it. It's got a, a removable rest. If I want to go to an elevated, but I still shoot off the shelf. Um, you can add weights, you can balance it um, with that ILF connection. And we also have a DOS connection, which is similar, but a little bit more secure and quieter. Um, you can adjust the tiller of a bow. You can adjust uh, the weight. So if you got a 50 pound bow, you can adjust it up and down from there. Not as much as like you'd see with a compound, but enough to where like when it comes to tuning, makes a huge impact on a bow or sure. on, on an arrow when it shoots. Um, couple but, pounds yeah. here, couple pounds there. Chain with your draw line, I can right. That makes sense. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. It's I, I, it's one thing I really like with uh, with metal riser bows or you know just adjustable bows like that is, you know, for me I won't feel the pound or two difference for it, but man. You do that to an arrow that's, you know, just, just a little too stiff, huge impact. Um, with, uh, with more traditional style bows and wood riser ones like that, you know, you're tuning that arrow to the bow where when you have, you know, a bow like that, that you can tweak and tune, you know, you can get the precision to just like crosshair precision. to it. Sure. Which that makes sense. Cause instead of just, you tune the arrow to the bow and then once you get the arrow close, you can just finalize it with that little bit of a bow tune then. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's where you see, uh, you know, accuracy, you know, uh, we were kind of talking about range a little bit ago, um, you know, because people tell me, well, you know, how accurate can you be with it? I go, well, the Olympic shoots traditional bows until just recent years and they're shooting 90 meters, you know, that's a hundred yards and they're putting it in a gold ring, you know, you know, as big as a coffee can. Right. Um, granted, I'm nowhere near that. No hunter should be doing that shot with it, but that's, you know, that's where you can get with that type of gear. You can be, deadly accurate at 100 yards for you know competitive shooting like that shooting sure. wise i am personally i feel confident up to a 25 yard shot that right. said my average shot is 12 yards wow that's close i mean that's 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 real close yeah well that bear was actually 12 yards <laughs> really yeah like, I'll I mean, down 12 yards <laughs> how'd that make you feel i mean i'm a little nervous like you know, you're you're such in. I don't want to make it sound any different. Than it is, but but you're you're in the predator mode there. Like you're not thinking about, oh, this thing could come up. You know, and scratch my face off here. Right, right. <laughs> you're it's, not thinking prey. You're a predator. Yep, yep. I'm I'm hunting, and it's one of those. You're looking, you're looking, you're like, all right, leg forward, and you know, you're dropping the air. And, uh, yeah. And then afterwards it's that I will say when, uh, when a big sow came out with three cubs a little bit later, uh, in that, in that same day, that one, I was a little more worried, like, okay, hang on now. <laughs> but she was, uh, she was a good bear. She must've sent something. The wind must've swirled a bit and she got them out of there. I was like, okay, good, good, Perfect. good, good. Perfect. But I don't want to be you and your cubs. That's, that's yeah. a terrible idea. Yeah. That was that one I was looking. So I, you know, we didn't have any guns or, or anything with us. We just had a uh, bear spray for those that wanted to take. And I did it because I've got three little girls at home and, you know, sure. 
makes makes them feel good. So I was like, okay. Um, but yeah, when I big that was a big moment too. When she came out, I I took the uh, uh, the strap off of it. Like, okay, just <laughs> ready to go. Yep, just in case. But yeah, she was a she was a wise one. So she turned him around, got him out of there. But yeah, with him, you know, when he came in, it's like this is a this isn't a a bear I'm watching. This is a bear I'm hunting. Sure. Straight into a I'm ready to shoot you. And then you said that was at 12 yards. How far? Like how long was the track then? Uh, he actually got just to the top of the hill, just over the top of it. Um, so I would say he probably ran no, no more than 60 yards. You, that, that's perfect. I mean, yeah. that, you, you can't match, ask for much better than that. You really no, can't. No, it was, it was, it was great. It really was. I, uh, um, I was very, very good shot and, uh, uh, definitely everything lined up and did good with it. Uh, yeah, yeah. If I can get them all to do that, we're in great shape. I've actually been pretty lucky when it comes to um, the track jobs. My uh, my Iowa deer, uh, where I hunt out there, I uh, uh, the two two times I've had hunt out there and I've got some nice bucks. Um, they die right next to where like a, a two track road is. This was one of your Iowa deer, I believe. Uh, well, my screen's frozen, so I can't see. But oh. Well, it's the deer. It's the buck you sent me. It looks like you have a longbow in that picture. I do. I do actually. Is that my uh, my takedown longbow? I can't remember. It looks, from the best of my lack of serious knowledge when it comes to traditional bow, I'm going to say yes. It kind of looks like a takedown, and it's got. It looks like a silencer up top on the string. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah I put uh, usually I put um, uh, either I do Dynapuffs, which is a th synthetic material, or, or beaver fur um, for for silencers. That one I think was Dynapuff, but. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, uh, uh, with those deer, uh, the two bucks I killed there, they died like, I mean, within 10 yards of a uh, two track. One, my first deer, like the blood trailing was literally right under the uh, uh, the trail markers that we had. Like, I'm like, this deer saw this and ran this way. Like, this was the nicest track job in the back. You're running back to the truck. I love yeah. it. Yeah, I was like, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Just uh, a little push, a little more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, the bear was was great. It got to the top of the hill, and then where we got him, um, it was more steep the way he came down, but like we dragged him the other way, which went right almost all the way to where we could get him into the uh, into the boat. Um so it was it was it was nice. <laughs> so how does that work then? You get the bear back to the boat. Do you have a bunch? Do you have a bunch of coolers and ice on the boat to get the bear on the ice? Like, are you, I, I'm sure you gutted it in the field, correct? Uh, actually, no. We, uh, no. we decided to do it on the boat. They, they got a uh, they're nice, uh, nice big open decks there. So uh, uh, the captain was really good to let us do that. So yeah, that made it that made it so much easier. Um, just because nice. we had more hands and still had space to it. So yeah, we did all of it on the boat. Um, which last time I was in Alaska for Sitka Blacktail, I was like a mile and a half back. And that's where I had to gut it and, and pack it out, which we were kind of expecting that with uh, with this trip. But, you know, it gets, you know, especially in a lot of parts of Alaska, it gets so thick. You're like, well, you're only getting 150 yards in, you know, on the streams. And then it's just, you know, you can't walk through it. It might as well be a, a you know, 12 foot high wall. Sure. Um, so we were we were fortunate that most of our bears we just took them back to the boat and, and did it all there. But oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah, and, and, um, and yeah, you're I think boat then, right? Like you're sleeping yeah, on the boat. Yeah, yeah, you're sleeping on the boat, and then you just wake up. You go out in the mornings. You can sit all day if you want, or come back and you know get a get a good meal in you. Do fishing is which we did, and uh, and then go out at night, and then uh, you cruise around and. Uh, you know, if you can see bears walking ashore or whatnot, or you just, you know, you, you look at an uh, overhead map and you go, hey, that looks like a good spot and not too far away. Let's go there for tonight. Nice. How was the weather? How are the seas? We had unbelievably good weather. Um, so I, I definitely get seasick. So on the way out from Homer, where you just kind of swing and you hit just a bit of the big stuff before we swung around the peninsula, I, I did okay. Could have been better, but I did okay. <laughs> but uh, um, once you get, you know, you get into those uh, those coves and whatnot, you get off the wind, you sleep like a baby. I mean, it's just like being rocked at night. So sure. you, you sleep really good. Don't tell my wife that. I, I tell her it was miserable and I missed her the whole time. But <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't wait to get home. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is true. But but you know, there's there's definitely uh, some perks to it. But cabins are small. But man, you you sleep like a baby when you're you're getting rocked. And then uh, I tell you what, 
I'm not a huge seafood guy, especially like lobster and crab, but um, we didn't get to go crabs this trip. But like when you get that fish fresh caught and you cut it up right then and it's dinner, oh, is that good? That is unbelievable. Was it butted uh, and fried? Was it butter and like baked? Was it black? Any and every way. Any and every way. I will say um, I know the uh, one of the big salmon we caught, we did, um, it was just baked. And he had a kind of a dip that you could put on it, which I did for my first few bites. But after that, I would just gobbled that salmon up. And it was just, yeah, it was just baked salmon. And it was so good. Nice. You can't beat fresh fish. I mean, that's the one, that's the one reason I like ice fishing. Fresh fish out of cold water and the water's cold up. I mean, you just don't get, I mean, it doesn't taste like fish. It really doesn't. I mean, it, it's just so fresh. Yep. Yeah, we uh, definitely enjoyed that. The uh, the one where we were on Kodiak Island with that, where we uh, we were able to get crabs, seeing that crab, and then literally less than two hours later, it's on your plate. I was like, yeah, I can eat crab like this. this is... <laughs> Can't do that in Indiana, but <laughs> no, no, frozen, frozen, yeah, or, yeah. or brought in in warm water, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, that was that's. Uh, I tell you what, that's one thing they don't tell you about when you're planning on a hunt like that. But man, the food is so good, and um, and and since it was my second time, you know, kind of know what to expect there. But like, you don't you don't buy a lot. You you buy food, you know, when you're on mainland to take on the boat, but you don't need to buy a lot because like with the fishing, if you're, you know, with a good uh, a good transport or good guide, whoever you're with, you know, if they can get you on fish and get that fresh. You don't want anything you could get on mainland. You want to just eat that. Sure. Then do you eat any of the bear right away? Like, did, did you oh, yeah. prepare any of the bear? Yeah, we. Uh, I mean, we had the you know, tenderloins and all that. You know, uh, uh, real good stuff right away. And then the rest of it freeze to take home. Everybody got. Uh, not everybody. Well, everybody got at least fifty pounds of fish in the box, and then um, I know I got fifty pounds of, of bear meat. It worked out really nice. Uh, I think I only had a little extra that I kind of. Uh, you know, we ate. <laughs> sure, sure. What you could take a hundred pounds back? I'm assuming was that was uh, that well, limit or? all comes down to how much you want to pay. Uh, with, our, with our flights, the first one I want to say was twenty five dollars, and then I think it was seventy five dollars, and then it's one fifty, and then it's two hundred. Because one guy took an extra box of a uh, of fish. I know that that last box cost me. It was either at least one hundred and fifty or two hundred. I forget just for airlines. Sure, but with the uh, with the fish, they like the second you pull in the dock, they uh, uh, the processors come grab it. They flash freeze it, and uh, we spent twenty one hours of travel from like when we left, driving around to get to Anchorage, and then flying, and then all the fiasco that flying is, and then finally driving home, and that fish was frozen solid i mean solid when we got back so any dry ice or anything or just the flash frozen fish and a good cooler and that was even a good cooler or are you talking like a styrofoam box styrofoam box is what they have they're just the cardboard with the styrofoam because yeah when you fly you can't have uh can't have any ice it's uh it's just on sure. its own interesting good to know because yeah. i've never done a, i've never done a flying hunt like that it's, it's definitely I, I, definitely something i want to experience one day that's for sure but I tell you, it's it's definitely one of those dream hunts. Like, oh man, I get to go hunt Alaska. It's it's just you know, it's surreal in that. Um, and I definitely haven't been there, you know, so much. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it's nothing. But it's um, just Alaska. It's, it, yeah, it's no yeah. big deal. But like, you know, when you land, you know, you're giddy and all that. And then there's the people that just live there, and they're like, oh, okay, welcome. And you're like, you know what? It is. It's literally just another state in the you know the union here. It's like it's, right. it's, it's really cool. I mean, it's an awesome awesome place to visit but it's not as you know unattainable i think as some people put to it sure um, you know a little bit more expensive for the flight there but uh it's worth it like you know if anybody gets a chance to go i think it's an amazing one the, the fishing alone was was just superb it was just so fun like i when i came back i talked to a few of my non-sportsman's buddies and i'm like guys we gotta go spend a week in a boat fishing if that you know just that if you want to do it we'll see if it how they end up with it but um absolute bucket list item where I'm, I'm definitely going to take my wife uh, at some point because I know she'll definitely appreciate the views. I mean, you can't, I have so many pictures from that. And after a while, you're going to be like, man, I mean, it's all gorgeous, but literally everywhere you turn, there's a, you know, a breathtaking view of mountains and side cliffs and, and just, you know, forest and streams and, and animals and everything. There's just, I mean, everywhere. I mean, it's just like, you just 
everywhere. Like just little shots and everything is just perfect. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a magical little place to go. I see why some people really uh, uh, fall in love with it. How hard was it to obtain license? Was that pretty easy, like to get a bear license up there? Or, or how about your Sitka deer? I mean, some people might not be interested in the bear, but a deer might really perk their interest. I mean, yeah, um, you know, uh, not to, to overstep, but I, I I say over the counter. I think I'm pretty sure for really? that. I I haven't been up there with anything that needs a guide. Okay. And other than being in season, because I know where the black bears are. I mean, they're covered up in them, like you know, like Wisconsin's covered up in deer. I mean, it's just. They're, they're all over the place. Really? Um, so I, I feel like where I was was like a, if it wasn't a year-round season, it was it was a just big one, a big one. Um, wow. Yeah, and then the uh, sick of deer, I think it's just you know hitting the right time of year. But no, there was nothing I had to put draws in for that I remember. So that's you know that's so it, is obtain- it really is obtainable. I mean, that's more obtainable than some of the lower 48 then where you're putting in draw tags for years to try to get that bull or that buck tag depending on the state depending on the area yep yep yeah i uh um, yeah it, it like i said it's so surreal to it um because yeah it's like oh you're just here and you go like i said we were it was a transporter um you know and that's where that can feel a little nerve-wracking to it of like well i don't know where to go there and you know the uh, difference between transporters and, and outfitter guides and that is you know outfitters they take you to the spots transporter they just drive the boat and you tell them where to go but sure you know it's it, one you know for those who like to over plan things it allows you to do that you know you can research your heart's content of like oh we want to go here and you know you talk to the captain make sure they can make that happen and you know do it right um, and then the other one you know laid back easy like i'm in alaska as long as I, you know, <laughs> as long as I got a rod, a reel, and some fresh fish, whatever happens next, I'm good with it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like I said, I mean, it's 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 a bountiful land, and there's it's, you know the bears. We we did really good coming into them. Um, of course, for the time where we were, it was having to fish in the streams was was big, but sure. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, and then uh, for for Kodiak Island for the uh, Sitka Blacktail, um, you know, there's where. That's why the hunting community is so great. You know, you talk to somebody that's been out there and, you know, see what you can find and be like, oh, cool, cool, cool. I'll look at that. I was shocked at how many people I had no idea had hunted Sitka Blacktail before me when I'm, you know, before I went out and talking to them about, oh, I'm going there. They'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did a drop camp there and this, that, and the other. It's like, wow, okay, well, really yeah. cool. So interesting. Got any points for me? Where should I look first? Yeah, right. <laughs> And you probably get a little more, I mean, unless you have a guy that's going yearly, you pro- people are probably a little more loose-lipped there too because they probably aren't going back every year. It's not their secret hunting spot. They're going to probably be a little easier to say, well, here's where I started. Here's what I saw. If I was going back, I might look in this area. Like, take take a peek at this as well. Yep, yep. And it's like, uh, you know, my experience at Kodiak Island where, where we were, it was, it was so vast. I mean, we could get, three boats just loaded with people and we would all be plenty well spaced out not feeling like we're on top of each other because sure. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely gorgeous out there and, and spaced you know it, it is funny because you know hunting in indiana you know you can't throw a rock without feeling like you're going to be in somebody's backyard and it's like you get out there and you're like wow oh. <laughs> i can get lost out here <laughs> like actually lost yeah yeah I, uh, I remember talking to somebody once. They were looking for uh, kind of backpack hunts in California. Like, man, I need something that can last, you know, for for you know three days, you know, in the back. And I'm thinking, and I can't even walk uh, three hours any direction and not be <laughs> right. I mean, even in, Nor- even in northern Wisconsin, I mean, if you walk straight, you're going to run into a road or a logging road or a river, and that's going to take you back to civilization within three hours. Yep. Yeah. In Alaska, you can walk 30 hours and still not find it. <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, you know, like I said, I want to make it sound like I'm a old salty pro at it or whatnot, but it was like, it. once you're on there, you go, wow, you know, this, this isn't unattainable things. This is, this is something that, you know, I, not that everybody has to go up and do it, but I think, uh, I think for those that, you know, want to pick, you know, uh, out of state hunt, whatnot, don't, don't let that one be that. Oh, I can't do that. That's that's a really fun place to go. Nice. Well, I'm going to end this with three questions for you. It's something I'm going to do. Um, I think I already know the answer to the first one. Favorite place to hunt? 
Ooh, ooh. You know, you'd be surprised. You would be That's surprised. <laughs> um, I've, I, I, uh, I can say I've definitely been very blessed to be able to travel all over this country to hunt um, and a little international too. Um, Alaska is definitely, definitely my high one there. But Got one you. of my favorite animals to hunt is hogs um, with traditional gear. And you got to go south for that. So, sure. Um, yeah, so that's you know, not to make it difficult, but that is definitely a hard one to answer. <laughs> well, that you already answered my second question because favorite species. Yeah, I uh, I love wild hog. I love that um, they're abundant where they are. I love uh, I love um, just how they hunt because you can get close. Um, we actually didn't get to cover that too much, but I I, I shoot close shots because that's that's my draw to all of this. Got it. I I need to get close to game. Not, you know, not because that's how efficient my, my equipment is, because that's what I need. That's just in my blood. Sure. Um, I love being within 10 yards of a deer and it having no idea I'm there. That's just, that's such a. So the wind is everything for you. I mean, really, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. if we're talking 10, 10 yards. I don't care what kind of scent free clothing you have at 10 yards. It's not going to work. Right. Well, wind and then. You, you know, kids, kids help grow your patience, but, <laughs> but deer hunting are that close, man, you, you don't move unless you, <laughs> sure it's, it's absolutely perfect for it, which that takes a lot of self-control there, um, which I definitely show more hunting than I do in regular life. But I mean, yeah, yeah, no, you've got to, you've got to be in a whole different game when you get that close. Um, so that's why I dogs, because they, uh, I mean, they're, they've got, great noses but you can beat the eyes and you know getting inside their um in their zone for it. and then they're tasty 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 my wife actually has me on open open season on hogs if i can ever go on a hog hunt i'm already approved to go which i love like, yep <laughs> they're tasty and it's your favorite species so that all works so texas florida where are you going for hogs uh you know i've had success in both um i'm trying to get more in florida my dad lives down there so i'm always looking for more spots down there to uh come shoot a couple when I can, but um, then I'm having a little bit more trouble finding a uh, public ground where I can go do it. Uh, a lot of private stuff there, which is good. You know, that, that's, that's a thing, but for as troublesome as they are as an animal, I, I'm trying to find a good spot where you can spot and stalk on your own, but I got sure. a few people. I just haven't, I've gotten about one or two out of Florida, but I've got a few out of Texas, which were, I mean, Texas is covered up in them too. So. Right. And then, the last question and the most important to me and kind of why I feel we and it just really is a big thing with hunting. What is your favorite hunting tradition? Like, cause traditions are what keep us going in this. At least it keeps me going, like carrying on these traditions, like the mentorship, everything, it all plays back to tradition. So what's your favorite hunting tradition in your family or your hunting group of friends or. Definitely. I would say definitely like the recap at the end of the day. All right. Um, you know, that that camaraderie, camaraderie where you get together and, you know, it can be brief where, you, you know, you go and pass out in bed because you're so tired from the hunt. But sure. That get together and, you know, the quick recap of what you saw, what was important to you type deal in that. Um, you know, you're exhausted, you're tired usually, you know, if it's been, right. a, been a long day of that. But to me, that's that's what I really enjoy because I get to experience the hunt through somebody else on my trip. Uh, and I've been very fortunate to go on a lot of hunts with my dad. And uh, um, I, I definitely always appreciate that because, you know, we, we go off on our own spots and do your hunt for many hours. But then you get back together and kind of share what you had before sure. you separate again for, you know, usually at night go to bed. But, uh, yeah, that would I'd say is my tradition for it, that, that the little bits where you're together. I appreciate my alone time and, you know, out with nature and in that. But that little getting together with other like-minded folk and have that, having that talk and connection with it. That's, that's my favorite tradition. I agree. I mean, that's a huge part of it. I mean, it, it's that people aspect after, after the hunt. I mean, you come back, maybe you're a little bummed because something didn't work out right. You stepped on a branch and the deer spooked or you come back on that adrenaline high. Cause you just got done dragging this 10 pointer out through a thicket, which you never even thought you'd be able to get through. Yep. Yep, yep. It's all uh, it's all the uh, the memories you make and the connections you have with it. That's um, yeah, that's always been big for me. Like I said, uh, uh, all of us outdoorsmen, we enjoy our our time alone in nature, and that that's very uh, important itself. But I do, I yeah, I'll definitely stick with that of 
I love that connection you have with others to it. Very nice. Anybody you want to thank? Anybody you want to shout out? Um, how do we get a hold of Three Rivers Archery? Let's start there. How do we find Three Rivers Archery? Well, uh, with Three Rivers Archery, uh, uh, hopefully if I'm doing my job right, you search fish and archery anywhere and I should pop up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just our website is threeriversarchery.com, the number three. You can just spell out too. It all goes the same. But uh, yeah, Three Rivers Archery. Uh, I mean, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, a little bit on Twitter. Um Anywhere and everywhere. Uh, we do a lot of YouTube videos. Um, okay. So those that are looking for information, our YouTube channel is huge for providing that. Um, and then the website, uh, give us a call during the day. We're happy to talk with anyone. Uh, the website's got tons of information too for those looking for, uh, for info there. Perfect. Well, anything else you want to add? Otherwise, I think we're going to sign this off here. I think it, I think this was probably the best thing, best first episode I really could have hoped for. I mean, I don't think this is going to be the look back cringeworthy episode. I think that's going to wind up being two or three. Like this went too smooth. This was, you know this was too easy. Years from now, you'll look back and go, oh, man, that's what I used to sound like. Who asked, <laughs> <laughs> Who asked these kind of questions? Yeah, yeah. Really? No, you're going to no, end no. your segment with three questions? That's how you're going to approach this? <laughs> Yeah, no, this is great. I had a great time. I, uh, I'm glad I could be part of it and uh, excited for you guys on, uh, on this new segment for it. I think it'll be awesome. I'm hoping so. I think it will be too. Well, thank you very much for being on and to all the listeners, have an excellent night and good luck on any future scouting or hunting that you are doing. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com 